0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Monday, April second, two thousand twelve, eight AM Eastern Time. You're joining the party at Blazing Rye Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Holmes. Uh, Follow us on the Twitter at Blazing Rye Radio. And I tell you what, um, we have a great show tonight. We got Green Tea, uh, the band, jam band, roots rock jam band. And we, but first we got coming up Stephen Emerson. um, And but now, first, before we get into anything else, I'd like to introduce. Uh, The Soledad to my O'Brien Please welcome my co-host, Tamika (laughs) Tamika, how are you?
2: Oh, this is how it's going to be today, huh? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I will tell you what, we're, we're gonna we're we're gonna get into our panel in a second, so hang tight for a second oh, there, uh, Mr. Willoughby. But Tamika, I have to ask you a few questions before we begin. Question one: Did you pack your luggage yourself?
2: Did I pack my luggage myself? You know that sounds like a Twilight Zone question. I don't. Uh, yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Number two: Was anybody with you when you packed your luggage? No. Number three, did you ever at any point leave your luggage out of your sight? No, hell no.
3: <laughs>
1: okay, so tonight joining me and Tamika for the panel, he cannot move forward until a full estate is set up. Please <laughs> welcome the Illuminist Ryan Willoughby. <laughs> hey, Raiho, how's it going? Good to be back. <laughs> Good to be. We got the classic gang with us. Ryan Willoughby, how does it feel to be back with Tamika? Oh, you know, Tamika, it's always a pleasure. I always have fun with you guys, so let's get into it. Me too. Let's do it. Okay, so um, now it was announced today that Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels have both signed on to do Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, (laughs) Will, what do you think about that? I personally couldn't, you know, between the news of this and Anchorman 2 coming out, I couldn't be happier. As far as I'm concerned, they're both even Dumb and Dumber more so, classic movies that I grew up on, and... uh, You know, the sequel's never as good as the original, but I'll certainly give it a shot. All right, and Tamika, what do you think?
2: As long as they can still do it, that's fine. Because when he said Samsonite, and was thinking that was somebody's name as opposed to the damn luggage, and you (laughs) asked me about bags already, what's, you know, come on.
1: I just need to, I want to make sure there's still a shitting scene in this one, then I'll be happy. Uh, Did you guys... (laughs) See that Dumb and Dumberer with you know without the, the Jim Carrey and and Daniel. angle What was it Dumb and Dumberer right or something like that? I I never yeah. saw it. Okay, no. Tamika, did you see I, that?
2: No, that doesn't sound like I,
1: something I would see. I saw it. It wasn't so bad, but sure wasn't good. It was supposed to be um, a prequel, right? Yeah, it was a prequel. It was. Yeah. Uh, it was something. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Well, we're all excited about Dumb and Dumber as long as the shit is, the shit and the Samsonites are still in there. Um, Now, let's move on to something uh, a bit more disturbing Strip searches are now approved by the Supreme Court for any offense Tamika, let's start with you Do you think that this is a violation of our civil liberties Or does it make you want to apply for a job where you can do the strip searching?
2: (laughs) You know what? Um, I think it's a violation I think it's a little bit of a violation
1: Okay, how come? it's,
2: It's kind of like being a little bit pregnant like, you know you might have to do that, but you don't face the reality that that's what it's going to be.
1: You know? And, Will, do you agree that it's kind of like being a little bit pregnant? Well, you know, as a man, I wouldn't really know what that's like.
3: Uh,
1: it's a little tricky for me. Um, I'm, 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 I'm with her in that I'm not really a big fan of it, though. You know, I'm not even I, – I don't really usually catch myself riding dirty anyway, so getting searched wouldn't be a problem, but that just seems like a whole bunch of bullshit I would not want to deal with. <laughs> See, how do we know you're a man? We went through that whole thing with the Vagiro and the beauty queen last week we wound up being a man. Well, if you want me to really? prove that just just if you want me to prove that, just ask me and I'll prove it. I don't need to be strip searched <laughs> to prove I'm a man.
3: <laughs> That's
1: true. You ain't no lie. Um and t- well how about this, Tamika? What if the strip search uh what if you were hired to do all the strip searching at the next Broadway fairs? Then would you be in favor of this? Oh, buddy. <laughs>
2: Um, I think I could concur with those uh, particular orders,
1: yes. <laughs> okay. Um, now, all right, tomorrow, <clears throat> tomorrow, Sarah Palin, uh, oh, former God. governor of Alaska and vice presidential nominee, is co-hosting, is co-hosting the Today Show for at least an hour. Uh, she was on the phone with the gang this morning, and Matt Lauer motter. By asking if she's read any newspapers to prepare, and then Meredith Vieira, although I'm the only one who seems to have heard this, suggested this was a ploy of desperation by the Today Show. Uh, Will, let's start with you. What do you think about Sarah Palin sitting in uh, the chair of journalism legends like Barbara Walters and Katie Couric? Uh, I'm just so tired of Sarah Palin. I'm I'm ready for her to remove be removed from the spotlight completely. I I you know I, I don't really watch the Today Show, so I won't have to see it. But for all the the Today Show fans out there, uh, you know, I I think you're in for one doozy of a show. I think you're going to be pulling your hair out by the end of it. (laughs) And you know that show is like six hours long, but she's only going to be on for like the first hour, I think. Tamika, uh, are you going to watch?
2: I don't think so. I I Mm -hmm. really can't support that woman in anything that she attempts to try and do.
1: So now, yeah, you know, and had the Today out as Sarah Palin. I'd watch it.
2: Right, or the chick that was uh, Juliana Moore, I think, who just yeah, did uh, yeah. Game Change. Yeah, you know, yeah, That might be entertaining, even though that made you almost feel sympathetic for you know Miss Palin. But I, you know, I.
3: Mm-mm.
2: And after what they did to Chris, after what they did to Christy Brinkley, I'm kind of mad at them. So, uh, so I'm
1: not, oh I'm my god, that. that was <laughs> ridiculous. Last week, I said. Because the Today Show does this thing where they always put on a profile of a celebrity while they're sitting right there before they're being interviewed. And I wrote on my Facebook status, like, doesn't that seem a bit wrong to do while they're right there? You know, I mean, they get up at the ass crack at dawn, come to your studio and whatever. And Chrissy Brinkley was there to talk about Chicago. Matt Lauer wound up making her cry about um, her ex-husband, uh, the, whoever the non-Billy Joel one is. Uh, Ryan Willoughby... What think you of that? Do you think they should run these ridiculous, these, uh, these dramatic, melodramatic exposés before they interview the people while they're sitting right there?
3: Uh, you know, I, I guess
1: I, I think it's kind of messed up, especially if I'm, giving, if I'm a celebrity I'm giving you some of my valuable time to uh, come on your show. The last thing I want to do is have you get me rip into me on it. But, I mean, at the same time, having these people watch the show, don't they know that's what happens when you go on it? It's kind of a two-way street, yeah. that's me. Well,
2: you know what? I think maybe she thought she might be exempt. You know, there's some people that go on TV might not want to mess with them.
1: You know, but like, like, now
2: I, I don't think they're going to mess with her ever again. I mm-hmm. It was bad. I mean, I was watching it just like, okay, why? Just the facial expression she had, and she just said, kept saying, I just want peace, you know, for my yeah. family. It just it was not a cool interview. Matt got stuck, too. He had a few minutes of dead air time, so whatever. Mm hmm. Serve right. Yeah,
1: it was messed up. Um,. All right, let's get down to what everybody, what is on everybody's mind tonight. March Madness all comes down to tonight. Tonight, after Blazing Rye, the University of Kentucky and Kansas University will face each other at the conclusion of what has thus far been a pretty anticlimactic tournament. Um, Tamika, whom have you picked to win? Kentucky. Kentucky and uh, Ryan Willoughby. What about you? Who's who's your favorite here? I'm going with uh, your boys, the Syracuse Orangemen.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'm just kidding. I think uh, I think Kentucky's pretty talented. I think they'll handle it pretty easily. Okay, Kentucky. So so we got both of you going for Kentucky. When we when Syracuse won in '03, it was Kansas that we were up against in that final. So that teams tend to to get into get into these uh, these finals here. Um, but you know this this season was rocked by so much scandal. Do you guys know how that made me feel? A Certain Way.
4: Anyway.
1: A Certain Way, exactly.
0: <laughs> when you just don't know what you're feeling, you can't find the right words to say. Well, that's the moment you start to
1: season of ncaa division one basketball made me feel a certain way magnitudius (laughs) illuminus went to penn state and i went to syracuse university on behalf of college alumni anywhere i urged division one schools to stop hiring diddlers as assistant coaches that's some division three stuff right there
3: i can deal with
1: our best player being ineligible to play just before the tournament but I can't deal with Bernie Fine and Mrs. Fine having good old fashioned molesta fiestas. Stop hiring these people Bernie Fine, Jerry Sandusky, because when you hire diddlers, that makes me feel a certain way. <laughs> Ryan Willoughby, shout out to Kiss Crook, my mainest man, Wobbles. Oh, uh, what about Cousins? Shout out to my smoking nephew, Cousins. That doesn't <laughs> make any <fun>. sense. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, man. Okay. Thanks for doing it, sir. Have a good night. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, good time, uh, man. Take care, guys. All high right, high. paper towel. Paper towel,
3: <laughs>
1: All right, Tamika. Um, well, that was that was a lively panel. Are you are, are you ready? Are you ready? I didn't What'd do you it.
2: Say? I didn't do it.
1: Are you ready to have some fun? Yeah, of course. Are you ready to get down? Of course. Are you ready to jump up?
2: No.
1: Are you ready to testify? Yes. Please welcome indie folk singer-songwriter Stephen Emerson. (laughs) Stephen, sir, how are you?
5: I'm well, thank you. How are you?
1: Doing fine, sir. Now... Did you know that you, Stephen Emerson, share a name with a political pundit?
5: Uh, I know there's a guy who's an expert on terrorism.
1: Okay. So how
5: many people get get your music and are upset that it's not you
1: talking about terrorism?
5: Uh, That has not happened yet. All right. I, I uh, I did get a threatening letter from a lawyer once saying that I owed them $40,000. He was representing a publisher that wanted their $40,000 book advance back because (laughs) he hadn't delivered the book. That's one of those emails you read and you know it's not, you know that it's (laughs) fake, but you still panic? Yes, (laughs) exactly. I I have to pay somebody $40,000. I don't have that. Right, I was <laughs> going to
2: say that is threatening just to get a letter that says you owe somebody forty thousand, and you're
5: like, no, no, What happened? But so far, <laughs> it. yeah, for mis- okay. of mistaken identity. What did you do when you got that? Did you call the the publisher and tell you tell them it's not the right season? Uh, No, I just responded. I said I think you, you, this email went, you know, went to did not go to the did not reach the person you intended it for. Um, this was an my, email. They sent it via email? They emailed it, yeah. They wow. So now they're
1: emailing people that they owed forty thousand dollars. <laughs> All right. So much easier. Um now Stephen, I, I like your voice. Any singing aspirations?
5: Do I have <laughs> any aspirations to be a singer?
3: <laughs>
5: As a matter of fact I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I've recorded a few albums. Mhm. Now, in your in your
1: picture on your website, you're dressed like a member of the Cherry Pop and Daddies. Uh, not how I would imagine a singer songwriter. Did the swing revival uh,
5: influence your fashion choices? Oh yeah, so I went. Um, I'm just kind of imagining what you're looking at. Um, yeah, so I've I've had I've three CDs out. The 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 latest one, the recent one that's just about to come out, is is very. Acoustic, stripped down, kind of organic sounding. The record before that was a, a very different sound, which was um, inspired more by like an Al Green kind of vibe, kind of a mm-hmm. soul '70s soul kind of thing. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Bill Withers also, who, who who does the. I mean, it's acoustic. It's so he's a of song, songwriter, but he's got he's got groove to it. So. So, yeah,
2: that's what that's what I picked up on, which I thought, you know, was really good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you have a very nice, if um, I can even remember the correct key, it's almost a baritone sound when you're singing that soulful. So it's really nice.
5: Yeah, I had an interesting, when I first started singing, um, I couldn't sing along with any songs on the radio because I had a, a, a lower voice mm-hmm. than, you know, the Whatever was on the top 40 at the time, probably, foreigner or journey, <laughs> <laughs> I'd sing along with with those guys. Um, so I would go through like records to try to find someone who sang low that I could just to you know. Cause I just kind of wanted to, you know, I was learning to be a singer and and I, I found a, a odd selection of of songs from people like Chris Christopherson and uh, Leonard Cohen's a low singer. Um, mm-hmm. But then then I found Barry White and and, and uh, I was gonna
2: say Barry you should have gone straight to Barry. Yeah, I
5: should have gone straight to Barry. <laughs> straight you know, to Barry
2: or Teddy, or Teddy or <laughs> one of the two.
5: Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's he, a guy his name I hear and I never really explored his music. But um Well I you just mentioned um uh Leonard Cohen uh
1: had an influence on you. Um now he spent years uh, at a Buddhist monastery and came out a different person, uh, as you say, with a deeper understanding of the world. Do you have any plans to do the same? Yes,
5: I get a, a few, <laughs> some free years. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, that is um, that's a certain you know that's that's alluring to me in a certain way. I don't know that I would that that I would go to that extreme. Um, Did you just say
1: a certain way?
5: Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Blazing
6: Rye Radio no longer retains the rights to the Certain Way theme song. Hit the brakes, Florence.
0: Back to you, Ryan, and what's her name? <laughs>
5: right. Sorry about that. Sir, continue. Yeah, I'll have to look up that reference later. Um, yeah, going, moving into uh, uh, living in a monastery. No immediate plans. Um <laughs> Tamika, are you going to live in a monastery soon? Mm,
2: well, I don't know. If my roommate, I don't know. Never mind. Right.
1: <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs>
3: um,
1: now, listening to Leonard Cohen, Stephen, I can't help but get depressed. Were you super depressed because you listened to him?
5: Well, there's another artist named uh, Nick Drake that that I uh, was a favorite of mine, still is, and a lot of my friends would listen to it and they would say that same thing. Well This, this is kind of depressing. Isn't this depressing? Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's just music hits different people, you know, in a different way. I, I There's certainly, uh, you know, I'd say melancholy, you know, something melancholy about, about both those artists, but but there's also beauty in, in the lyrics um, that, that, you know, I really reacted to. So I, I didn't find it, I did not find it depressing.
1: So you just were influenced by the the melancholy aspect of it, but it did not depress you per se.
5: Yeah, I mean, and and I'm a you know I I appreciate lyrics and and uh, I think Leonard Collins, one you know before he was ever a songwriter he was a a poet for years in, in Canada and he was like you know got the highest sort of national Awards for poetry, and and uh, so he. I mean, he was a real uh, serious wordsmith before he's he started writing songs. Um,
2: wordsmith, that's a good word to
1: use. <laughs> and then you to use. have actually published some poetry yourself. Um, what uh, made you do that? Was it was it Cohen's influence on you, or or what happened there?
5: I was just doing when I was living in New York. I was doing a lot of writing, and and. You know some things uh found their way into songs and, and others didn't and I had sort of uh collected words verses that, that 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 weren't you know that I wasn't using for songs and i and i it was just a project that you kind of i you get if was with a creative output I feel like you need to Release it in a way to kind of it's like spring cleaning, you know, to clear out your, clear out the closet in the attic and put it out mm-hmm. in some form. And so I just yeah, I put out a book of of poetry, on a very modest level, but it was. Um, yeah, that was that was. I don't know if that was a one-time thing or not. I've been doing a writing project now on um, my website project that I call. Mm-hmm. Hundred days, and that started January first, and it's um, just decided to write a, a story from some, some event or, or or day or time in my life. Every day, I post a, a, a story. Um, Cause I kept I kept journals over the years, and it's sort of like going through you know your the giant shoebox of your life and pulling out this picture. Like oh my God, I remember that when I was twelve years old, and I got suspended from school. And so, <laughs> Wait, did you actually get suspended when you were 12? Uh, maybe I was 13. Um, that's on <laughs> on what am What I. did you do? Oh uh, yeah, smoking cigarettes in the boys' room at school. Oh okay. Uh, now, if um, I have this correct, you're from
2: Northern California. Yes, correct. Okay, so am I. So that's why. I, and I, I'm from Sacramento. So. Oh
5: wow! Well, I grew up mostly in Davis.
2: Yeah, when I saw Davis, I was like, woof. Okay, I might want to go to a monastery, too, at some point. But, you know.
5: But I, are you currently located in the Bay Area? Uh, I'm in Berkeley now, yeah.
2: Yeah, Berkeley's nice. Like
5: One of my Berkeley college much.
2: roommates is from uh, East Bay Area, and we'd always go hang out uh, by UC Berkeley.
3: So yeah, has
2: Ber- moving around the country, obviously that's influenced your writing. Which do you think was better for you, the East Coast or the West Coast? Especially being from up north, because it's completely different than if you're from L.A. Yeah.
5: Yeah, they're, yeah, they're just really different states, Northern California, Southern California. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, yeah. the time I spent in New York was really valuable to me. It was very intense, you know, um, but it was sort of really like boot camp almost for, for songwriting. I mean, I went there specifically to, uh, I had been in bands before and, and toured a bunch and put out some records as a member of an a indie rock mm-hmm. band, but then I was just, you know, going solo and I wanted to get real serious about songwriting and, um so yeah I fell in with a, a group of other songwriters who who were um you know a lot of people go to you don't go to New York to chill out you know <laughs> you go to New York cuz you're on a mission and so the the kind of focus and, and intensity um was really inspiring it's something that's hard to um you know maintain for for years and years um mm-hmm. but for that period of my life my 20s and it was it was it was really good for me so now, yeah, now I have a different different perspective, and I've kids, and I've um, not as a you know not as intensely in in, in that kind of um, environment. Sure. And you mentioned
1: that you used to uh, be in a rock and roll band, uh, True West. It actually uh, you guys opened got to open for REM. Um,
5: how did that come about, and what was the experience like? Uh, that was a, that was really fun. We were we had, we were touring around um, the you know college circuit, um, and uh, we did a show in Athens, Georgia, where where R.E.M. from. And um, Pete Buck, the guitar player, came to our show, and he liked the band, and introduced himself afterwards, and asked you know invite us over to a party at his house. So we went over there, and and they they were just coming out with um, their fables of the reconstruction album and then uh... yes uh... So we got back from our tour and then we went over to europe and did a tour then we got back from that and then their audience manager called and said hey you guys want to open some shows for for the tour so yeah we were on did all their west coast shows and up and down the coast and in, in canada and um... they were really they were just really the nicest down to earth friendly guys um, we got to go on stage with really? them and uh, jam, you know, do, for encores and um, yeah, it was a, it was a great time. Kind of humbling. Expect, I mean,
3: hmm?
5: Sorry,
1: I was going to say you would expect that rock bands at the height of their success, you know, as huge as REM was, maybe it wouldn't be the the, the nicest, uh, most down to earth group of guys. But I, I guess that that was not your experience.
5: No, not at all. And I think you know there was like they they were certainly, you know, on the rise as far as their, their popularity. They they it was pre, you know, um losing my religion and, you know, the top forty success. So they were um mm-hmm. um and I don't know if that changed them or not. I you know, uh, but um you know they're they're southern guys they're from all from Georgia and um just, you know, regular guys. Um we you know, we had our the five of us and all our equipment and all our luggage in a van. You know, and they had their giant tour buses, and it was kind of humbling <laughs> to be following them around from town to town. But um, yeah, it was a really good experience. Really good experience. Cool.
1: And and how you initially got into music when you were growing up? Um, you started playing guitar, and, and then you wound up playing the drums. Uh, because it was an easier uh, entry into getting involved in in rock bands. Why do you think that is?
5: Uh, I think you know a lot of guys in high school want to play guitar, and you know they want to play shredding solos. Um, yes. And um, I just uh, I I yeah I my brother I have two little brothers and we all played instruments and and one of my brothers had a Drum set and and he was playing drums and he kind of got more interested in guitar and I had electric guitar so he started playing my guitar I started playing his drums and um, I just picked it up pretty quick and then started playing with some other guys and and then all of a sudden we were playing gigs and and um, so yeah it just it wasn't any big calculated move it just sort of happened Good. then I you know I started playing um, yeah getting booked to play. Clubs and stuff, and that—that's fun when you're 17 to you know be playing at a bar and you know 21. Uh, everyone else there, you know, none of your friends. You know, you're in high school, and you know, like it's—it was cool to be playing, playing at clubs. Absolutely. But nobody could um, get into. And then we get kicked out on the break. <laughs> like you have to go wait in the alley until the break's over. You can't be in here. <laughs> like, wait, but I'm playing. <laughs> um, would you say? That drummers are a weird bunch. Well, that's certainly um they certainly have that reputation to a to a certain degree. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> it's funny, now, there's Steven, plenty of there's... drummer jokes. But um, um you know, it's interesting I I started playing with, with more uh you know, at certain point started playing with with jazz musicians and and I don't know to sound snobby using this word, but like more serious musicians When by that. I mean, guys who, I mean, there's plenty of rock guys who, you know, never studied music, but are just amazing musicians. But I started playing with guys who, who. There's a difference to me between wanting to be a good musician and just wanting to be in a band. And at a certain point, you know, the, this idea of identifying yourself as like, yeah, I'm in a band, you know, if if you're not you know that just wasn't really enough for me and like that's one of the reasons I switched from drums over to to songwriting is like because I didn't want I didn't have this ambition to be a great drummer but I was just, mm-hmm. you know I was in a band and that was you know that's fine when you're when you're young but long answer to your question so you know musicians I meet who play drums but who are who are musicians and in other words they can they can they can piano and compose a song and but the drums are the instrument they chose to play you know the, the they're kind of a different breed than the drummer you the type of drummer you alluded to um the kind of odd guys who are just like there's one there's one story about this drummer who's like in this band. i, I can't remember the context but it's something in effect of like don't try to talk to them about anything but drums. If you go in the room, you can talk about drumsticks. <laughs> you can talk about drum heads.
0: <laughs>
5: but everything else uh-huh. is uh, off limits. So they're uh, out there. That's great.
3: <laughs>
1: um, It says, uh, Stephen, on your bio that on your on your third, now you we've moved on from your band days to your, your solo days. Um, it says on your third album you stripped down to the bare essentials. Did you record this album
2: naked?
5: (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) I knew what that was going.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll pass on that question.
1: Uh, (laughs) scandalous answer. Um, Let's see. Uh, Now, okay, so also in your bio it says, the big topics, um, love, loss, memory, hope, the sort of subjects that sink sophomoric songwriters while allowing honest and workers in song like Emerson to shine. Now, when people read that,
5: how conceited do you want them to think you are? <laughs> well, if I wrote it, <laughs> uh, then they, they would certainly be entitled to feel I'm very conceited. Um, yes. Um, What can I say about that? Yeah, if that was... um, How conceited do I want them to... Medium, (laughs) I'd say. Medium conceited. (laughs) Medium conceited. You
0: got it, you got it.
2: Don't worry about it. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, I want to make sure we break our listeners off with a song of yours. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, Paper Crown? And I'll go ahead and play it. Uh,
5: Yeah, that's... um, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, I was thinking of my my son. A lot of those l- lyrics are reference to to spending time with him, and and uh, you know, stri- stripping things down to the bare essentials, you know, outside of what I was wearing at the time, was a, for me about um, getting uncomplicated with 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 arrangements and and with with um, you know even song structure and and also, I don't know, kind of how uncomplicated kids can be, how they can, you know, emotionally and experientially, can just, you know, get excited about, you know, seeing a roly poly bug or or the, it's a sunny day. Or so this song, you know, I was trying to get to that place. Richard Thompson has a song, uh, a lyric that says something like, you know, how how can we be innocent again? And and that's sort of that's what I was trying to. To get back to that sort of innocence, seeing the world, having that sense of wonder that kids kids have. Absolutely. Uh, well, this is
3: Stephen Emerson with Paper Crown. Be right back with Stephen.
4: love. No.
1: I was in drama school, we were doing, studying Meisner technique, um, which is all about relating to your scene partner. And um, uh, my professor said, uh, if you ever want to see somebody who is demonstrating like natural, real behavior, watch a baby. Watch it. Because, you know, we're so programmed when we're growing up to uh, act
3: <clears throat> um,
1: in a certain way or um, not show emotions and stuff like that. Uh, so that, I think, kind of is the same thing as what you were saying before.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that, yeah, that's great. Babies, yeah. babies
1: don't lie. They haven't learned yet. <laughs> <laughs> babies don't know how to lie yet. Um, Tamika, did you lie when you were a baby?
2: No, but I know there's a famous phrase, out of the mouth of babes, you know, it's right. the truth to some extent. Because I know one time uh, watching my nephew, uh, he was sick. And I said, come here, sick boy. And he goes, that's not my name. That's not very nice. Being mean to somebody doesn't make anybody feel any better. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I won't do that <laughs> ever again. I think he was like two and a half. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, I'm done. My sister can come get him anytime."
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, cut right to it. Yeah, You were, uh, Stephen, you were part of a... Uh, a songwriter's song swap type uh, group in the West village. Um, I'm guessing it's, it it was kind of like a feedback group for songs that you've written. Did anyone ever say someone else's song sucked, or was it, uh, a bunch of people patting each other on the back? Uh, No,
5: I mean, it was pretty, um, no, it wasn't a support group. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was New York style, you know, reality. Um, so, um, but it was, it, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience and, uh, and um, met a lot of people who, you know, who've been lifelong friends and, and the guy who ran it, Jack Hardy, he started it, geez, probably in the early eighties, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but people like Suzanne Vega and Sean Colvin and, um, you know, the New York songwriters came through there and they, they put out records, um. Recordings. They had a label called Fast Folk. I think well, some of Tracy Chapman's first recordings were on that, and uh, Michelle Shocked was part of that. Um, so it was, you know, people that took it uh, took writing real seriously, took took you know lyric writing real seriously. I never heard somebody say that someone's song sucked, but one guy one time said to another guy after he played a song. Pretty close to that. Like, yeah, I really hate those kind of songs, <laughs> and I can't remember specifically what type of song, it, you know, um, what kind of, what the style was that bugged him so much. But um, usually, you know, you, you could. There was some constructive, cons, you know, uh, constructive criticism in there uh, that you could take away, and then for yeah. me, I guess the big part point, you know, I felt I was growing as as a songwriter was to you know, I didn't need people to like it, you know, I didn't need approval, like, you know, I played my song, and I knew certain people were going to have their beefs with it, and I knew other people would, like, relate to it, and, uh, you know, for me, that was kind of of graduating in a way, like, okay, yeah, I mean, I, I felt confident that, you know, when I wrote a good song, it was a good song, but when I first started there, yeah, it was really, you know, I didn't have that. I was coming in very green and um mm-hmm.
1: Do you think that that was the most important thing you learned there?
5: I think so. You know, mm-hmm. getting to the point of not needing someone else's approval.
3: Yeah. yeah.
5: And um we got to go in a sec, but you've actually gotten yourself into
1: film scoring. Uh how is that whole process? How does it compare to say recording an
5: album? Um well, you uh you really you know, you're serving the the image that's on the screen, and um, it's really yeah, it's been a, a wonderful, just whole new type of creativity. And, and collaborating with with uh, visual artists has been a lot of fun. And it's amazing when you first start doing it, like how, and you start looking at films and watching them without the music, and then watching a scene with a different piece of music. How huge an effect um, you know, the music has on the, the emotion and the experience of watching. Uh, whatever the visual is. Sure. Well, this has really been fascinating. Uh, is there anything uh, you want to
1: say? Any any shows coming up you want to plug before we go? Uh,
5: no, just say my uh, new CD is coming out. You can go to my website, Stephen, with a V, Emerson, 1M. I'm not the terrorist expert. Um, and I'll <laughs> be giving this CD away free, free download on my website. <laughs> I,
1: I've never heard anyone advertise their album by saying, I'm not the terrorist expert, but, (laughs) um, yes, sir. And you'll, you'll be giving it away for free. You say that is correct. Well, how about that? Uh, all right. Check him out. Stephen Emerson. Thank you so much for stopping by, sir. Thank Thank you so much. Very enjoyable. Take care. Good night. All right. Now, Tamika, um, when, when we were playing that song, uh, was that you I heard moaning in the background?
2: No. Was that you I heard moaning in the background?
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our next <laughs> guest tonight is the front man, or as I like to say, front man of a band called Green Tea. Uh, it is a roots rock jam band. Here is a Trevor Royce. <laughs>
6: How's it going? Hey Trevor.
2: Good man, hey, how are, how are doing, you?
6: Ryan? I'm okay. I'm good, I'm good, thank you.
1: So I gotta ask why the name Green Tea? Does your band have more antioxidants
6: than other bands?
3: <laughs> That's what absolutely. I wanted to know. Hey, yeah,
6: absolutely. We're uh homegrown now. <laughs> uh oh. Um no stories. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh no, good story. Um When we started the band uh, roughly 11 years ago now, um, myself and the rest of the group, we were sitting in John Coletta. He's our uh, flute whistle and hands player. Um, We were sitting around his living room drinking some green tea, and we had some pretty terrible names. Um, (laughs) Nobody had anything decent. Uh, What were some of the other names? Uh, One example was uh, Radio Flyer and the Blarney Stones. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Um, Well, we were just sitting there talking about, okay, what's our name going to be? And uh, I I just shouted out, well, what about green tea? And, you know, several of us were drinking it, and we were kind of analyzing, okay, let's see. How does this work? How does it fit? You know, got green because we have a little bit of a Celtic roots to us. Um, you know, half of us are vegetarians, so we're kind of green, and we like to live sustainably. Um, and green teas typically not from America, so we kind of like to fuse different genres together. Uh-huh. So we thought a good fit.
1: Okay. And with your album titles, will you have various flavors of green tea, like, say, an album called Pomegranate Green
6: Tea? <laughs> yeah, right. That's the next uh, album. We'll have all the different flavors of green tea. There you go. <laughs> um,
1: now, okay, i got to ask you this. What are, I was reading your bio, and I need, I need to know what are the, the post-postmodern thoughts of civilized culture and how pretentious um, does that sound to you, how pretentious would you
6: like that to sound to your audience? <laughs> Hopefully not too pretentious. <laughs> um, I guess you could say, to sum it up, um, we like to delve into something that is original from our hearts, but also not necessarily um, pertaining to mainstream box. You know, mm-hmm. I, I guess... In a way, you could say it's indie. It kind of defines indie in a way, um, but also, you know, one of the postmodern things to do is to make cool uh, work in different facets, and um, you know, we don't try to make cool work at all sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so we're definitely definitely not trying to sound sound uh, pretentious. We're just uh, kind of ex- exploring some of the verbiage there.
1: I see. Um, and you guys, perfor- uh, you guys formed at the University of Wisconsin. Uh,
6: were you guys the popular band around campus? Um, yeah, actually, it was kind of interesting. The, the first time we performed on campus for what we thought were going to be friends and, and whoever that decided to show up, uh, we basically sold out. And that was, I think, what, 250 people at the time. So it was kind of a, a neat deal. And uh, we had hardly played anything yet. <laughs> wow. So, uh, it, yeah, people I had talked to, you know, a buzz started. And when I look back then, it's like, wow, our music has definitely evolved um, to this new uh, newer indie roots rock, which is what we call it now, now before... You know, in the earlier stages, we had a little bit more Celtic influence in us. Now, how did Um,
1: that come about, the Celtic? You know, you wouldn't expect a bunch of friends from all different states uh, meeting in Wisconsin and forming a Celtic band. So how how did that sound come about?
6: Sure, sure. Um, Well, the first two guys, myself and Eric Fee, um, we had just a hint of Irish. He had a lot more than I did because he ended up purchasing – a Balron, which is an Irish, um, drum. He purchased that at Milwaukee Irish Fest, um, when he was in college. And I actually knew him in the dorms and in, I think a class or two. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we just started jamming and I brought some of my rock influences, a little bit of alternative rock and not much else. (laughs) I was kind of sheltered, but, um, he had uh, yeah more of the Irish influence, and I started seeing some of the bands you know he was suggesting, and I thought, wow, this is you know it's cool energy, it's high energy, it's fun um yeah i I really like to have people to dance to it, so we kind of caught on to that and found some people along the way as we started growing in the early years well <laughs> it's, it's really uh.
1: I don't know what you guys sounded like then, but it is, it still is very a very unique sound that I I really mm-hmm. dig a lot. Um cool. and fine. you still and tour it's around a lot.
3: Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that too. Um, That's cool. you still tour around a lot of colleges. Uh are you like what's what's it like doing that? Do you still get all the chickadees?
6: This <laughs> Well, um, what's interesting is that we really didn't get much college success until 2009 when we showcased at uh, NACA Northern Plains. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if you're familiar with the National Association for Campus Activities.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: No, basically, is, basically.
3: Right?
1: What's
6: that?
1: Tamika is, but I'm not.
6: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so basically. Uh, the the uh, college conferences and, you, and a whole bunch of different bands showcase for 15 minute slots it's kind of like south by southwest but much smaller and, and just for mm-hmm. colleges so um we showcased there at a, um a spotlight slot back in 2009 and then colleges started paying attention um it's really cool and, and we started getting interest from colleges and and I kind of stress of the booking that I do, um, I, I focus a lot on colleges now. So um, yeah, the you know the energy is is awesome. I think some of the stuff that we do, whether it's original, we do a few covers in our show just to kind of you know get people thinking about wow, you know I kind of saw that in them, but I wasn't sure. You know, we've had that response before, and some people request so, things. you know, Are, are your
1: covers? Are your covers like? Jethro Tull because I can't
6: really imagine booting the glowfish with a flute in it you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: actually
6: uh, you got it uh, we do a Jethro Tull song almost every show uh, we mm-hmm. do locomotive breath and uh, Thanks, John uh. yeah actually John is our eldest member and he saw uh, Jethro Tull live back in the 70s and so mm-hmm. he was uh, kind of a major influence on John's um, Genre tastes as well. Cool. So, um,
1: yeah. Uh, Tamika, I hear you chomping at the bit over there to ask a question. Well,
2: <laughs> uh, just out of just out of curiosity, I know of what I read today too. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the people you've been compared to. I think someone mentioned that you might be compared to the Red Hot Chili Peppers when you got when you guys have the songs that you're really just rocking out to. Which, um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, how do you? I, out of curiosity, how do you feel about that? I, I love the Chili Peppers, you know, they you do. have done some interesting yeah. things in the past, but
3: yes. yeah. um,
2: you know, the, the old school Chili Peppers was good, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, yeah. I, can, I can definitely see that influence, that and with the the incorporation of a flute within your music is, mm. you know, it really does bring a different element to your music.
6: Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, we've gotten that before and One of the things that we did to bring light to that comparison, as well, is we we ended up arranging uh, a Chili Peppers medley.
3: Mm. (laughs) uh,
6: Yeah, it's kind of cool. We do a uh, right now in our set. We do a a drum solo to introduce the second set if we got a break in the middle, and then Zach goes crazy on the drums. And as soon as he hits, you know, Stadium Ending, uh, John Jolka, our bass player, goes right into Can't Stop. My chili peppers. The mm. big the big ass uh bass line. Yeah. Uh really really cool funky. Uh and then we throw in uh, airplane, um uh, give it away, uh Danny California and Rain Dance Maggie. So with wow, wow. a nice little medley. Yeah, so with, we kinda what's that?
1: With Give Give It Away you're kinda with some of those songs you're kinda incorporating a little hip hop into your, your Celtic music as well.
6: A little bit, yeah. The way um, Anthony Kiedis sings, you know, I don't, I don't know how you describe his singing. <laughs> Maybe like rap rock or <laughs> yeah, rap punk rock. I don't know. He he tries. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so three quick questions, and then we'll play a little bit of your music for our listeners. Sure.
6: Um, what's your favorite place to play? Your favorite venue? Favorite venue. You want a specific one, or like a type of venue? Uh,
1: the more specific, the better, as my old acting professor, Victor Lazaro, would say. <laughs>
6: um, I think, um, the one that topped it off was actually this year, even though we've had some larger shows. I mean, we just played a show in front of, I know, somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 people, which is uh, amazing and a lot of energy. But we just wow. did a show this March, um... It was up in Northland College, and it's up in the northern part of Wisconsin, and they have not, you don't have much of a a population there. It's kind of a smaller liberal arts school. They focus on um, natural resources, conservation, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it was uh, the venue, it was, uh, you know, intimate, and I think there were probably somewhere between 150 to 200 students there, but they were just going nuts. Everyone was dancing. They were having fun. There were some people from the community that were, I think, previous fans or had heard about us and wanted to see what was going on. But, um, yeah, it was just the energy was there. Everyone had a blast. <laughs> That's awesome. Now I, I remember now that you say that, I remember reading that. Um,
1: one of your shows got rained out, so everyone went inside this hall and the hall was packed mm-hmm. to the brim because people were very frantic um yeah. how do you feel about the fact that your band causes uh riotous behavior <laughs> the
6: <younger. laughs> they're gonna call us the next rage against the machine. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty intense um, no uh we uh, we enjoy that we don't we don't mind it at all. I mean if people are frantic or absolutely excited to get their hands on our music or see us at a show we welcome that absolutely there hasn't been uh, much from though. I'll tell you that usually people (laughs) bopping around dancing (laughs) okay that's good and what is your favorite city to play favorite city Um, I would say Twin Cities Uh, we've done a few shows there um, uh, we've done different clubs and uh, a couple festivals, but um, yeah, that's a fun city and who are your favorite groupies to have sex with <laughs> Well, because I am married, that's <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh I'm not gonna ask another band member if they were here, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, good question um,
1: okay, well, why don't we on that note um break off? Uh, our listeners with one of your songs. Can you uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about uh, Indigenous?
6: Sure, absolutely. Um, John and I got together last, I think it was last, late last summer, and we were looking at putting together kind of our own rock song, kind of like a flute rock song that included some of our passions. You know, again, like I said before, he has that Jethro Toll influence the, the flute rock and um or I think some people have called it art rock. Um but also some of my influences with uh Rage Against the Machine and some other like you know, Chili Peppers and some other uh different rock bands. So we wanted to write a tune, um that not only had some of his um cool lyric writing ability, but also uh, a little bit of a hook and giving space to some of his flute rock um, dabbling because he loves to just jam on the flute. So that's what you'll hear in this song.
2: He definitely jams on it. Yes.
6: Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh,
1: here they are, Green Tea with Indigenous. We will be right back with Trevor. One, two, three, four. <laughs>
0: whiskey and the ancient day. They took away our johns. They took away our beer. They took away our lovers and they gave up beer. They said we were not real. They said we couldn't feel. They said we were not human. That we don't listen. Is. They said that we would lie They said we had to die They said that we were on the dirt And there's a demon sky <laughs> And I dream Let the drums ring out through all the hills in our dreams Let the whistle speaks for the cool running wheels in our dream. That the rocks reclaim the ancient songs in our dream. And that we heed the culture I hold wrong Their tongues will sing the notes they used to know. <laughs> Not spread out words that like rock. And roll. <laughs> they took away your home. They took away your ways. They took away our whiskey and the ancient days. They took away your gone we <sighs> am
1: Player, so I hear, what does that mean?
6: Well, he's, yeah, he's one of the world's best hands players. Uh, I've, I've done searches on uh, YouTube and Google and whatnot and really haven't found anyone as good as he. Uh, what that means is, um, and most people have heard this uh, when they were a the kid, uh, you know how you used to make those little owl hooting noises when you put your hands together, cut them together, and then kind of blow into your thumbs, you know? hmm He does that, but it's not just that. He plays any note you can think of and basically any song you can think of with that type of technique. So basically he's playing his hands kind of like a flute or a whistle. Wow. So
1: all he's doing is putting his hands in front of his mouth and and that's that's an instrument for him.
6: Yep, exactly.
1: That's pretty impressive.
6: So uh, you guys
1: do a lot of um, improvising with some of your songs and and
6: blend in a little live jamming. Uh, Does that sort of keep things fresh for you guys? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like, for example, the, the, the Chili Peppers medley I was talking about earlier, you know, a band could basically just do the cover as is or, you know, one song as is, but in between each song and even... In between verses of those songs, we have uh, solos trading back and forth between keyboards and flute, whistles. Um, even in, like, Give It Away, I pull out the jaw harp, <laughs> which is unexpected because I don't really play jaw. <laughs> it just adds <laughs> a little flavor because they actually have that in the song. If you listen to, I think it's the chorus of Give It Away, you'll listen right that. They actually have the jaw harp in the mix. Wow, so, yeah, that's, that's kinda really one, of the, cool. one of the ways, yeah, one of the ways we okay. keep it fresh in our show are you
1: influenced are you influenced in that respect in the jam band aspect by since your sound is so different? I'm wondering, are you influenced by bands like the Grateful Dead or Almond Brothers or Dave
6: Matthews band? yeah, yeah, it depends on you know which band member you actually talk to, but myself personally, mm-hmm. um I've been a fan of Dave Matthews band for a long time. Um, John Butler Trios A a really cool band Uh, He Mm -hmm. likes to jam out um, There's a couple other jam bands out there That I'm a fan of But uh, our bass player for example He he likes the Dead Um, John Mayer you wouldn't consider a jam band But um, he's a huge fan of John Mayer Because he just absolutely tears up The electric guitar (laughs) If you've ever watched him on YouTube or live Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah It depends on you know, which member you're talking about. But, yeah, there's definitely some jam band influences across the board.
1: And your mission on your site reads uh, to share the unified soul that is music through ever-exciting songs that drive bodies to move. Seems pretty Mm -hmm. sexual, no? (laughs) (laughs)
6: No, It's it's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. (laughs) Would you,
1: Trevor Rourke, uh, would you ever – be a judge on American Idol if they ask you.
6: Would I ever? That's a tough question. Would it have to be? Oh, would I have to sit next to J Lo?
3: <laughs>
6: hey, yeah, you, you would <laughs> have I mean, to be on valid, one side
1: of J Lo. That's a valid then, question.
6: Yeah, then the answer is yes. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I was going to say most um, men wouldn't mind being next to J Lo.
6: Yep, yep. The answer is yes. If I had to sit next to her. Um, Otherwise, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of variables you're you're talking about here, but to go through that commerciality, it, it might be tough. It might be tough, mm-hmm. you know, because um, everything, how they're packaged, and ah, I don't know. I could talk about that for yeah. a long time. <laughs> um,
1: I, I would do it in a heartbeat. Simbika, would you?
2: Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. What's your um, reason? I, actually, I, I, want, I want to. I want Seacrest's job. I don't want to judge. I just oh, to yeah. Post. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and let's see. Who do you want? <laughs> Trevor, who do you want to win the Republican nomination?
6: Oh, geez. <laughs> well, without getting political, I would say Steve Visor. I didn't, no, I am just made that up. I don't know.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, I'm with you there. Steve. Yeah. America for Steve. Um, Steve, yeah, I'm not let, sure. I'm not too sure. I think I think there's too many bumbling idiots out there, so i not. I don't know if I want to go there. <laughs> That's true. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. Don't
6: yeah. uh, oh, any, any listeners out there, but
1: yeah. Oh, nobody's listening. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> since since we're going along with the whole jam band thing, do you mm-hmm. do you smoke a lot of pot?
6: I don't, actually. You don't? I don't. No, I tried it uh, a few times in college, but, um, you know, after that, nothing nothing at all. <laughs>
1: Got you. Um, now, yeah. Tanika, do you know what time it is? Oh, no. I think I do. Oh, boy.
2: It's time <laughs> yeah, for Yeah, you're ready. Truth or dare? No. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. We're going to play We're a ready. game. It's called Hot or Hot Mess, where I give you guys a list of things, and you tell me is there hot or a hot mess? Uh, Trevor, are you ready? <laughs> All right, let's go for it.
3: Let's open God it. God, who's the mess? Come and guess you. It. Oh, love the mess, love the mess, love the mess. Please, love the
1: mess, love the mess, love the mess. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty uh, <laughs> <It was> hot. <laughs> nice, the theme song is hot, good. Um, nope. The, uh, we, we get like half hot messes on the theme song and half hot. Uh, I love it. But some people say they don't like it. Uh first up on hot or hot mess, Justin Bieber. Hot or hot mess, Trevor.
6: Uh, hot
3: mess.
1: Okay, how come? I am not sure.
3: <laughs> and
1: to Tamika, T- Justin Bieber, Hotter hot mess. I don't know her, but
3: um, this- the skin's
4: uh,
2: looking pretty uh, good with all the uh, damn Proactive commercials, so I don't know. <laughs> now,
1: <laughs> I read, Tamika, one of your statuses that oh, said, not. or as the Irish say, uh-huh. statuses. Here we go. That's it said, um, <laughs> it said, now, I had nothing to do with that provocative Justin Bieber commercial. No, I How said proactive. Oh,
2: uh, I said proactive. Uh, oh, provocative. Uh.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Busted? Busted? Jesus
2: Christ! That's
1: oh, two different
3: things. Like hot mess.
6: Yeah,
1: hot mess. How about that? Hot mess. Next, move on. Next, next up <laughs> on hotter, on hotter hot mess. Well, we were talking about Sandusky before it had to go come full circle. All right, next up on hotter hot mess, um, Britney Spears,
6: hot or hot mess, Trevor. Um. I guess when it comes to body, I would say hot, and then everything else, hot mess. Okay, and Tamika?
1: Hot mess. (laughs) Shaving her head off and shit. I knew you were going to say that. That was like (laughs) five years ago. Dude,
2: she got picked up by an ambulance. I mean, I
1: don't know. She
2: just had a lot. You know, I think she's from Louisiana. She just needs to go
1: back home or something. She needs to go back home? So, for uh, a little bit Get ourselves uh, together <laughs> Okay How about Steven Tyler Appearing now as a judge On American Idol Is that hot or a hot mess? Let's start with you Tamika I have to say hot mess
2: Still to this day And it's <laughs> only because he tried to hit on his daughter Before he realized that that was his daughter
3: Wait, what? You didn't know that?
6: No, I didn't hear this. What?
2: Oh, there yeah. I was, talking about.
3: Met, yeah, when he
2: met her, he was trying to hit on her, and she was trying to tell him that, nah,
6: I'm your daughter. And he didn't <laughs> know that. So. Some kind of Facebook rumor or something.
1: No. <laughs> but I, thought, I thought that she was biologically Todd Rundgren's daughter, and Steven Tyler raised her, no? Oh,
2: well, hey, either way, he's still a hot mess.
1: All right. And, and and Trevor, uh, Steven Tyler on American Idol, um, which to me you can't even get past what happened like twenty years ago.
2: So <laughs> 20 years Trevor.
6: I'm <laughs> Trevor, go hot or hot mess. I wanna go with hot because he adds uh, a nice spicy flavor to that crew of three. Is what I'm thinking. Okay. Okay.
1: Next up on Hotter Hot Mess, Lindsay Lohan. Tamika Hotter Hot Mess.
2: I right. you know, I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna say hot. Okay, give her Trevor and give her a heifer the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> 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 oh, uh,
6: uh,
1: uh. And Trevor Roy, hotter hot mess, Lindsay Lohan.
6: Uh, I'm going to say hot mess because the only (laughs) press I've ever come across was either rehab or court or whatever. Yeah.
1: Um, You know, Tamika, what you just said, I'm going to give that heifer a hot. My favorite ever radio show was Star and Buck Wild in the morning, um, and they recorded at Power 105 in New York, and I listened to them on Power 104 in Connecticut. Uh, Mm. Did you ever hear them, either of you? No. 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 Okay, so so they were talking about Missy Elliott one day, um, and and they were talking about like the 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 top Billboard charts or whatever, and they said the woman who co-hosted with them was like uh, number one on the chart this week is R. Kelly, number two Missy Elliott, and then Star, who was very outspoken, goes ooh. I don't care how much weight that bitch lost. You couldn't pay me to make out with that nasty-looking heifer. Hell, I'd rather twenty kiss KRS-One. Wow, and, you know she did all
3: yeah.
1: that. And, and that was the that was the uh, ad that they played the entire weekend. So the entire weekend, oh, starts geez. just ripping on Missy Elliott. The whole weekend. Anyway, um, he got fired I a little think... a
6: little later for uh for something else. But. I she did. Yeah, but he was amazing. I, I think um, she's hot. For whatever it's worth, I think she's
1: hot. So. Okay, Tanika, Missy Elliott, hot or hot mess?
2: I haven't seen her in a bit. Where is she? I
1: don't she know, but she has that VH1 behind the music. She got some disease or something now, so we can't be talking yeah, about Missy no more. Oh, yeah, she
2: might be a hot mess right now.
1: So. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard about that. All right. Next up on Hot or Hot Mess, uh, R. Kelly, Hot or Hot Mess. Trevor, let's start with you.
6: R. Kelly, oh, boy. I'm going to go with just uh, plain old hot mess. I don't know too much about the dude, but Mm -hmm. what I heard before was kind of negative stuff. (laughs) And and, Kamika,
1: hot or hot mess?
2: I concur, hot mess.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, Well, I completely disagree with the both of you there. But uh, (laughs) that's my boy. TP2.com is the best album I ever heard. Any song could have been a single off that album. Um, last up on Hot or Hot Mess Tamika why don't you throw one at us Give us a hotter Hot Mess
2: Justin Timberlake
1: Hot
3: <laughs>
2: I think he's
1: I want to go with hot <laughs> I think um, Yeah I, I think he's Universally known as hot at this point
6: Yeah alright He's come a long well, way <laughs>
1: He has from the days of the cornrows And the highlights yes. Where's he from? Yeah. <laughs> Um okay so Trevor uh anything you want to say before we go any any gigs you got coming up you want to plug or your your website et cetera?
6: Sure sure um i guess one of our big things is this album we just just put it out uh it's called Wake the Conscious and you just earlier you heard the Indigenous which is one of our uh, tracks on the album you can find it uh, basically anywhere iTunes Amazon Spotify um cd baby on our website of course and if you check out our website we're at green tea world music dot
1: com dot com word yeah. um and your album i meant to ask you what is the what is the meaning of the title of this album Waking the Conscious?
6: it actually has a double meaning double meaning yes um one is the obvious, where um, green tea, typically people drink it when they're awake, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're drinking it when they're asleep. I know. So they're drinking it when they're awake. They're kind of getting a little boost of, you know, caffeine or whatever. or the good feeling stuff. And then the other meeting is kind of like uh, waking people up from their zombie mode. Um, if you... Mm-hmm are a fan of the Matrix like I am, you can kind of (laughs) sense what what kind of, uh, you know, culture we have jarring us right now, and sometimes you just got to wake up from certain things that are keeping us into the routine. Yeah, man. Well, it sounds
1: really cool. We're definitely going to check it out. And um, cool. I'm so glad we had you because uh, I really dig the music. That song we played was awesome, and I, I like the other ones I, I heard as well. Um, so definitely check him out, com. Follow him on Twitter, Green Music. Trevor Rourke, say hello to your Uncle Nicky for me. Thank
6: you for coming by, sir. All right. Thank you, Tamika and Ryan. Thank you. Take care. Yep, have a great night. Bye-bye. You too, sir. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, Tamika... How are you doing? Cool. I'm ready for
2: this game to start, man. I want Kentucky to put ha- up on
1: them. I thought it started at 9. I thought it didn't start it.
2: Well, the pregame stuff. They're doing the shoot-around.
1: They're oh, and They're drinking
2: before the game? They got to. They're down in New Orleans. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> where you get your, your to-go cup, where you go to Daiquiri's and go to the drive-thru. I mean, either way. You well, you
1: know what? Let's start a new segment on the show right now. Um called uh what's trending on Twitter. Is it Twitter or Twatter?
2: I don't know. I don't I don't know.
3: <laughs>
1: okay. So there's a thing on here, there's there's a, a hashtag that's trending right now called When I Was Little. I'm gonna pull it up, I'm gonna read you some tweets and get your reaction. Okay. <laughs> it says When I was little, Christina Popic told me she was too cool to be my friend. Uh, When I was little, I would pretend that I was Raven and that I had visions and could see the future, LMFAO. (laughs) When I was little, I once jumped on the table at Friendlies and screamed, I'm the devil, because my mom called me the devil child. What about you? What do you think, Samika? What do you think of those twats?
2: Those twats, one of them sounds like somebody that was 12. Little, but it was too cool for them. The the devil child, you know, most adults are still jumping up on tables doing that. I don't know if I would classify when I was little, especially out here in New York. You never know. And then what was the other one?
1: Um, pretend that I was Raven and I had visions and could see the future.
2: Who's Raven?
1: I, I guess Raven Simone, but I didn't know that Raven could see nah, the future. No, I don't
2: think that's the same one. Cause she had that other show on Disney. I don't think she was seeing into the future.
1: That's gotta be like a superhero yeah,
2: thing or something.
1: Is it is it like the Raven, like quote the Raven nevermore, maybe?
2: I don't I sincerely doubt people were using Edgar Allan Poe. Either. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I'm talking about Edgar Allan Poe.
2: What did I just say?
1: Oh, I don't know. I thought you said quote. You said Poe? No. I said Poe. Oh, okay. P-O-E. Uh, how about, I didn't, I didn't see this one before. This is from a guy named Oscar who says, when I was little, I would always make believe I had to pee so my mom can take me into the girl's bathroom.
2: That sounds like the making of a um, slightly psychotic person.
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, okay, well, uh, there's two. Yeah. Oh, it was psychotic. I'm gonna go with that one because the other one I don't think you want to hear.
1: <laughs> what was the other one?
2: It's not cool, so never
3: mind.
1: <laughs> Alright, how about this like one? Christina, Christina Martinez says, "When I was when I was little, I didn't believe this girl who said she was a al- <laughs> she was what? <laughs> she says I didn't believe this girl who said she was allergic to latex." So I rubbed, <laughs> so, so so I rubbed his rubber doll on her, and she went to the hospital.
2: I'll leave, I'm gonna leave
1: that
3: one alone too. <laughs> <laughs> is that really what's trending
2: at this point?
1: Yes, this is what's trending. Oh, my um, God, yo, know, this girl Megan DeGeorge, says. When I was little, I would take my Barbies. <laughs> I
3: would.
1: I when don't, I was little, don't even, <laughs> don't even,
2: because I got a story for you with Barbie.
1: Okay, <laughs> let me finish. I'll let me shut finish it this down right there. Let me finish it and then you tell the story. She says, "When I was little, I would take my Barbies, wet their hair, and <laughs> and put them in the freezer." <laughs> Okay, that's probably okay, a soon story? To, That was a
2: soon-to-be coroner. Um, I don't know what my deal was with Barbie. I didn't really care for her that much, apparently. Um, so I was uh, playing with my other toys, uh, Legos and other dolls, G.I. Joe, whatever, Star Wars stuff, whatever. My Barbie, my mother found it, and she came up to me while I was on the floor. She's shaking this doll in front of me. She's like, did you do this? This is sick.
3: Did you do know, this? It's sick.
2: So what I had done, what happened to Barbie, my Barbie, I, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they flexed backwards. So I bent yeah. her backwards, chopped off her hair, burnt her nipples on the stove, and left her in a drawer somewhere, like somewhere in the house. <laughs> my mother found her. <laughs> so,
3: you are a baby. So, <laughs> So, <laughs> trust
2: me, when I told... When I was uh in grad school teaching at Long Beach State, I told my uh TA class that, uh for interpersonal communication. I told them that I never had one problem from any students. They were like, Okay. Bet. Because My mom was like, Where'd you find fire? I was like, On the stove. Didn't care. Barbie. Whatever.
3: No no love.
2: Well, so mine would be when I was little I mutilated the shit Of <laughs> that damn doll
1: Wait You would shit on the doll?
2: No I mutilated the shit out of her though.
3: Oh okay
1: So
2: <laughs> I probably <laughs> should have done that. that would have. Oh that no <laughs> that. So you You
1: bent the doll back Burnt her knuckles and did what else?
2: I, not knuckles nipples
1: <laughs> Nipple? Yeah. What do you mean you burned her garbage had nipples? Yes.
3: Okay. So you
1: I turned, on
2: the, I, I turned on the stove and put her down on the thing and chopped off her hair, and then all she had on was, like, some green drawers, undergarments. That's it. I left her somewhere <laughs> in the house.
1: Hey, where did you leave the doll?
2: I have no idea. All I know is my mother found it. And she was just disturbed. She was like, Did you do this? This
3: is sick. Did you do this?
2: And I just looked at her with this blank look. And I remember that. I was like, Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't like her. And I like, what did you have against Barbie? Well, obviously something. But they never bought me another Barbie after that. They were like, All right,
1: then. Oh my God, I'm crying. Okay. Yeah. Um,. Nothing on this I list swear, will top
2: I swear I'm a loving person. It just I didn't like her,
1: so no. <sighs> nothing on this list will top that. so let's move to the other thing that's trending. <laughs> so we had when I was little, and another one is um now that I'm older, so let's see what the opposite of that oh, one was. God. um let's see who <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, uh kind of makes you look mm-hmm. at me differently now, right.
1: No, I look at you exactly the same, but
3: <laughs>
1: these are not funny. These are like these are just. I stand up now for myself now. Yeah, like I um hmm. this. Well, what is this? Now that I'm older, this is reality. And there's a there's a a, a picture, and it says: sleepovers become ragers, juice becomes alcohol, candy becomes weed. Butter knives become razor blades. They actually put butter knives instead of butter knives. Scraped knees became <laughs> split wrists. And, like, cooties became broken hearts. Now tell me why we wanted to grow up so fast. Yeah.
2: That was actually pretty good. You think about yeah. the big scheme of things. Even with uh, our, first, uh, our first guest, you know, him talking about how the innocence of children, you know, mm-hmm. is in with Trevor and Green Key talking about trying to bring people together, at some point as an adult, I think you just kind of, you know, if, you're, if you catch it early enough, you can kind of <laughs> see, okay, maybe I can actually be happy in this lifetime if I do such and such and such. Otherwise, right. you know, you might revert back to mutilating a Barbie, you know, <laughs> or, wonder, or, or wondering who thinks you're cool when in the big scheme of things, if you don't work together, then you don't work at all, so,
1: yeah, know. There's a, a kid on Twitter, Frankie Roth, he still looks pretty young, but it says, when I was little, Teletubbies were cute, now that I'm older, I realize they are aliens with TVs on their stomach. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs>
2: you know what, what, uh, what I did hear the people in, uh, I think almost, it could have been Amsterdam, it might have even been London, what uh, the adults were doing when they were watching Teletubbies. They were smoking I out and doing shrooms and stuff and then watching the oh, television. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's a different show
1: then. <laughs> that reminds Kinda me like of that, those like... plushies, those people who have sex and they're, and they're dressed dress like stuffed animals.
2: Oh, no. I didn't hear about that. That's horrible.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, my friend um, Astronaut Mike Dexter is one of them. Mm. He kills werewolves too, though for like, me. All right. Well, Tamika, we have really covered all the bases tonight, and uh, that, that story about the Barbie, <laughs> I, it, I'm going to take that to the grave. That is incredible. Can't,
2: can't make that one up, dude. That's,
1: that's, <laughs> you that's so true. Like that's you said it like you were supposed to have done it, too. You said it like, of course I burned her nipples and did all that and put her in her drawers.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I did not like her, so. Currently I still
3: don't,
1: so that's cool. <laughs> All right. Well we are off next week. Next week, um we are not having a show next Monday. So we will be back on um. <sighs> mm. <laughs> Maybe I'm the sixteenth, but most likely most likely the twenty third. Uh okay. I gotta go to Florida. So, uh we'll take okay. a little break. Um, but this was a great note to go out on before our, our little two-week break, possibly one week. We'll let you know. We'll keep you updated on the Twitter and the Facebook and the Google Plus and the Duck Butter and the MySpace and the Paper Towels <laughs> and the <laughs> Paper Joe Towels. In the
3: cold and you
1: know what I mean? Yep. Well, I'd like to thank Leighton Yeaster for stopping by and Blake Lively like to thank Ryan uh Seacrest, Ileana Douglas. Who else came by tonight?
2: Drew Barrymore. She stopped
1: through. <laughs> Drew Barrymore. Um and uh shout out to Kiss Crook's cousin Wobbles. Shout out to um um C-Marsh and uh, thank you. Big thank you to Trevor Roach from Green Tea and um, Stephen Emerson uh, from himself, Stephen Emerson. You know what? During his interview, I kept wanting to call him Peter, not Stephen. Do you have any idea why? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, remember to catch our show on iTunes. Also, if you have a smartphone... Um, Download this app called Stitcher. Type in the code BlazingRye, and you are entered in to win uh, $100. When you do that, just enter in that code at the top of the app that says how to. Um, who, who referred you to the app? Just type in the code BlazingRye, and then boom, you're there. You can you can uh, subscribe to our show without ever having to download again. You can just uh, it just automatically appears on your phone with the Stitcher app. Um, All right, so I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. And paper towels, I'm going to bed. And lastly, hit the brakes, Flora. Thank you, Tamika. Good night, everybody. Woo!
3: Woo! Paper towels, get cook my main is main!